into a brand new series, uh, as we just heard. I want to I take a 30,000-foot view uh, before we dig into the guts of what I want to dig into uh, today. Um, the truth is, is that we all have things that we are dealing with on very personal and very real levels. How many of you agree with me this morning? Just show hand, like this, let, this, let church be therapeutic this morning. How many of you would say, I got some stuff going on in my life that I'm dealing with, okay? The rest of you are liars. Um, so, so you're dealing with that. Um, just prayer for that. Um, I've come to discover that many of the things that we are dealing with, I'm gonna make a bold statement, we don't actually have to deal with. <laughs> I was like, huh? Many of the things that are issues that we are currently dealing with have already been overcome. The problem is that we keep resurrecting that which has already been conquered in Christ. So we're calling this series Keep It Dead. So as to be a constant reminder to keep that which Christ has conquered in the grave that he's placed it in. We're gonna accomplish this task over the next several weeks as we take a look from many different angles. This beautiful letter written by Paul the Apostle to the church in Galatia, known as Galatians. I've been excited about this series. Um, I've probably over-prepped for the, that's not even possible, but I've prepped a lot for this series. So we're gonna take, uh, we're gonna take sometimes a deep dive and other times maybe surface level views. But what I want us to see is that in the, in the journey that we're gonna start today, the book of Galatians or the letter of Galatians, we're not gonna systematically go through it chapter by verse in a, in a sequential order, but rather we're gonna, we're gonna take a look at a piece of scripture today that I believe is the crux of Galatians. And then like a few episodes from Lost, we're gonna spiderweb out from there. Does that, does that work with everybody? And so we're gonna, kinda, we're gonna, we're gonna play around uh, over the coming weeks from all of our communicators who are gonna be involved with this series. Uh, we're gonna dig into some really great content that I am believing and hoping and praying that leaves us in a place of freedom, leaves us in a place of hope, and one that brings life and vibrancy to each of our walks of faith, no matter where you're at on the journey of faith right now. Can I get an amen in church today? All right, so with that, Galatians chapter two, verses 19 through 21 is where I want to begin this weekend. And it says this, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you ever wanted a clearer picture of what the gospel is, here it is right here. And he says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then he makes this amazing statement, then Christ died for nothing. So today as we begin our series, Keep It Dead, I wanna speak to you from the subject, the problem with zombies. The problem with zombies. As we look at the new life that we have in Jesus, will you pray with me just one more time today? God, we honor you right now in this moment. We all come from different backgrounds, places and spaces. Different age groups, different races, different social economic situations. But all of us equal at the foot of the cross. Because we need your grace. And we need your word. 
your word tells us that it's living and active and that it has the ability to pierce deep, to correct, to move, to redo, to rework, and to bring wholeness. And so God, right now as we sit underneath the counsel for your amazing word, I pray that it would be your words that we hear, not mine. Move everything aside. Would you shout from heaven to our hearts and our minds today? We right now collectively say, have your way in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and the church shouted. Amen. Amen. I'm fascinated with zombies. Here's why. The beginning of this whole pandemic that we've been in, uh, don't judge me right now because y'all have watched some of these things. I know this. But I took a little bit of a journey on Netflix to, to watch some of the movies that I felt were appropriate for this COVID pandemic we're in. Mainly Outbreak and Contagion and <laughs> World War Z. Um, I, I thought for sure if there was going to be a moment, this was it. Like, zombies everywhere, okay? As I was, as I was watching, like, as I was searching and, and looking for these movies, I was fascinated by the amount, have, have you seen this? By the amount of zombie movies they are, there are on Netflix and Amazon. You just type Z, and it's literally years of like binge watching that you could do. You could, you could watch as many zombie movies as, as you possibly can. And obviously during the Halloween season, everybody's about zombies, 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 like, it, like it's everywhere. But here, here's, here's the issue. I have a problem with zombies. I take issue with, with zombies, the caricature of zombies. And this is why. It's because they are not fully alive and they are not fully dead. They are the convergence of two very definite truths. I disagree with this fundamentally, okay? But because they are not fully dead, nor fully alive, listen to this, they continue out their existence as just that, an existence. Cold, dry, moving, but not alive. And it's right here in Galatians that Paul submits to us that if we're not careful, we can live out the same spiritual existence. In fact, our spiritual lives can exist in a zombie-like matter, not fully dead, but not fully alive. If we're not paying attention to this journey that Jesus has us on, we can exist in a faith place that's just existing, that we don't have all the life that God wants us to have, not fully dead, but not fully So to understand this, we need to look at who the Galatians were and what was going on in in their lives. If you're you're new to church, if you're new to this this journey of faith and you're kind of kicking the tires, we call this around here context. It's really important. We're going to do a lot of this in this series. It's really important for us to understand what the Galatians were going through because many times, how many of you would be honest with me today, we can read this and it seems distant from us because we're like, well, like I don't feel or it doesn't seem like I'm dealing with what they were dealing with. What we're actually going to understand is when you dig into context and history, you realize that these humans were the same humans we are today. They just didn't have Twitter and Instagram to inform us. (laughs) So the Galatians in this letter were a predominantly Gentile community. This is a new term for you. This was a designation that let us know that they were non-Jewish in faith and nationality. Okay, The Galatians, Paul loved them deeply. We understand by way of the book of Acts that more than likely Paul and Barnabas had planted this grouping of churches. 
These churches were found in places like Iconium, Lystra, Derby, and better known to us, we recognize this name, modern day Turkey. Okay? So when we read the Bible, we're not reading about this. Like, sometimes I feel like when we read the Bible, we think of it as Star Wars. Come on, how many of you understand? And like, they live in this faraway planet in a universe, like far, far away? No, like modern Turkey, okay? So we can understand, like, oh, okay, these are very real people. And while there are many issues facing the Galatian church, the axiom of this letter is brought to us in these few verses right here. I actually believe as I read Galatians that the entirety of this beautiful letter is summed up in Galatians 2, 19 through 21 that we just read. Everything orbits around this truth. And it's this letter, Galatians, that brings us some of the most amazing and beautiful truths that the New Testament has to offer us. It's right here that Paul conveys with great clarity and conviction the fundamental truth that we face when it comes to our faith in Jesus and the salvation offered in him. Here it is. Freedom is found in Jesus, nothing more, nothing less. But how many of you would agree with me this morning that we have a tendency to try to add to Jesus? Don't we? And the Galatians were doing the same thing, the same, the same reality that they were facing, we face, and that we face, they were facing. And the truth is, is that this reality that it's Jesus plus nothing else gets lost in translation many times. It gets covered up by a lot of different things. Paul would address this issue, Galatians chapter 3, 1 through 5. Listen to what he says. He says, you foolish Galatians. <laughs> That's a way to start a letter to somebody you love. You foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you? Other translations would say bewitched you. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. In other words, you watched him go to the cross. And I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? There you Paul, lay off, bro. After beginning by the spirit, watch what he says. Are you now finishing by the flesh? Isn't that insane? Wait, you mean to tell me that Jesus did it? Kind of? And we're gonna move from kind of to now you've got the power? So Paul's speaking to us, come on, how many of us have done this before? We're like, okay, like, gee, that was awesome in the I had all the feels, like, it was awesome. But now I've gotta earn this thing. So this is the issue that Paul's trying to to deal with. Are you not finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? If in fact it was for nothing, so then does God give you the spirit, watch this, and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard? See, the problem that the Galatians were facing and that you and I face can be summed up with this truth right here. Competing voices often carterize the necessary receptors of faith. In other words, competing voices in the world around us often carterize the very thing that allows us to receive with faith the truth of the gospel, and that is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The voice of culture, the voice of skepticism, the voice of doubt, the voice of pain, the voice of our brokenness, the voice of religion. All these competing voices have the ability to, as Paul would say, cast a spell on us, trick us, bewitch us into believing this truth that it starts with Jesus and ends with us. The result, a zombie-like faith that is void of life and passion and presence 
and one that rejects the grace of Jesus and rests upon one ability to try and earn that which has been given freely in Christ. Am I talking to anybody today? Come on online, you're with me today. You see, when we try to mix that which Jesus has conquered into the new life that we have in Jesus, the impact is catastrophic. Not because we lose Jesus' love, but rather because we try to earn it. This is what creates the cold, lifeless, and vacant expression of faith that so many of us are used to seeing and experiencing. For many of us, we can come into a place like this and we're like, why is everybody so like energetic? Why do they worship the way they do? Why do they spin signs the way they do? Why is their music going on? Why is it colorful and bright? Because that is an external representation of an internal reality that's happening. We're not trying to earn God's love. We're celebrating what has been given to us in Christ. Come on, somebody, that's good news today. See, and that's why he would, he would once again insert this truth, Romans chapter 6, verse 4. He says this, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. Bible, the New Bible Commentary would put it this way. Whatever else Galatians teaches, it certainly tells us in clear and vigorous language that our right standing before God can only be an act of grace received through faith in Christ. No church rituals and no human efforts can establish our justification. On the contrary, the righteous will live by faith. Come on, someone shout faith today. <laughs> See, the problem that many of us are facing today and will, and will continue to face if we're not careful is that we are resurrecting what Jesus has put to death in us. And that is why we need to learn to keep the things dead that have been crucified with Christ. Come on, everybody say, keep it dead. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep it dead. Everybody gets really nervous about turning to their neighbor right now. <laughs> Sorry, I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> so today, what I wanna do is I wanna deal with some decisions that we need to make if we're going to avoid a zombie-like faith. Because I think many of us right now in this room, and can I just tell you, this is an everybody problem, not an individual problem. I can, I can step in too. Not that I'm any better than any, I'm not. That's the point that I want us to get across. I can step into a zombie-like faith when I am tricked into believing that what I do accomplishes what he's already done. So what happens is I live not fully alive, not fully dead, and not fully alive. And maybe if we just get the picture, when I'm in that place, I'm a zombie. So what I wanna do is I wanna look at three decisions we must make in order to avoid Zombie-like faith, here's, here's the first decision that we've gotta, we've gotta decide today is that I have to stop working for what has already been won. I have to stop working for what has already been won. Galatians 3, 10 through 11, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse because it is written, everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. We have chores happening in our house right now. Come on, and all the parents said. <laughs> my, my kids are 10, 9, and 3. Three-year-old can't do anything yet. We're working on her. Um, she's starting to get herself dressed. Um, it goes really wayward, and then we've got to redo it. But 10-year-old and 9-year-old, dish duty. Come on. Praise the Lord. Um, 
And they switch and they alternate back and forth. How many of you would know, without even knowing me, for the most part, all of us could probably agree, Jason and Erica don't have their kids doing chores in the house, doing dishes, so that those kids could earn our love. They're doing dishes in our house so they can earn a roof over their head. I'm just playing. That's, that's sorry, come on, come on. And all the parents said. <laughs> They're not trying to earn our, our love. Like chores are just an established reality in a house that you live in. They're the responsibility that we need to engage in. So my kids, how many of you know I would be broken hearted if my son Justice came to me after doing the dishes and asked me, Dad, did I earn your love today? I would do dishes for the rest of my life if that was the response. He's not trying to earn my love. It's just a part of being in the house. And the problem is right now is that many of us are trying to earn something that he's freely giving. We're working for what has already been won. I love how the Bible Knowledge Commentary puts it. The essence of grace, check this out, is for God to give people what they have not worked for. That's grace. Everybody shout grace. And we miss, when we, when we engage in this system, we miss the gift that God is trying to give us. Now, what was going on in this moment is that the Gentiles, who were they being bewitched by? It was this group known as the Judaizers. And what they were doing is they were establishing this truth for the Galatians, who originally believed Paul and agreed that grace came through Jesus, nothing more, nothing less. Well, this group of people came in and said, wait a second, you start with Jesus, but we need you to add some things to it. We need you to stack some stuff on top of it because not everything was completely complete in Jesus. Part of those major things were uh, eating restrictions and circumcision, right? Now, that's a bad church campaign right there, if you ask me, <laughs> right? No one's coming to church next weekend if I were like, next weekend, circumcision weekend, like... Bring your best guy friends, it's gonna be awesome, right? <laughs> no, no, one's, no one's coming, no one's coming online. <laughs> I lost him once again. So they were, they were stacking these regulations and Paul's going like, wait, wait a second, how are, you, how are you getting lost in these regulations when you publicly watch, like you know of the gift that we're talking about? Why would you try to stack something on what has already been completed? Why would you try to add something, something to this perfect gift? Now, it wasn't that the law wasn't good. We'll talk about this in this series, Galatians 3.19. He says, why then was the law given? Well, it was added for the sake of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise was made would come. Paul's gonna submit this argument that the law, as they knew it, were there, it was there to protect them so that they had an understanding of what was beneficial to their life and not beneficial to the life. How many of you thank God that there's some instructions on an oven that says if you put your hand on it while hot, probably gonna burn you? So that's what Paul's submission is with the law, but he says we gotta make sure we don't get it twisted. If you are trying to do this perfectly and live out this perfect life, I gotta let you know that you are not going to accomplish what it is that you're trying to accomplish because while the law helps us understand some things, Jesus conquered all things and all I gotta do is allow him to live in me. It's a new life. It's a new life. In other words, we don't have to work for what has already been won. 
And like I said, over the coming weeks, we're, we're going we're gonna to unpack those thoughts a little bit more. Here's the, here's the second decision that we need to make today. Like I said, 30,000 foot view as we continue to, to roll through this series. Second decision is we need to stop resurrecting what has been released. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, watch this, and gave himself for me. The imagery that is provided to us here is some of the most beautiful and bold imagery in all of the New Testament. Paul is saying that our flesh, everybody shout flesh. flesh. It's a weird word, I know. Especially after, never mind. Okay, so. <laughs> Stop there. But this, this is the language of the Bible. I'm just, <laughs> just clarifying. Let's, let's use a different word for flesh, kind of a working definition for us so it helps us not get all weird. Humanity. It's my humanity. How many of you would agree with me that many times, every single day, our humanity is at work in us? I'm not talking about being human, flesh and blood. That's actually not what the term flesh is referring to in Scripture. He's talking about our humanity. You know those things that make us think the way that we do? Do the things that we do? Say the things that we do? And have you ever found yourself going, why did I just do what I did? That's your humanity. When you lay your head on the pillow at night and you're like, why did I say that? That's your humanity. You know when you're staring shame down in the mirror? That's your humanity. This is what Paul's trying to get us to understand as, as he walks through this. He's saying, listen, our, our humanity is actually, in a, in a relationship with Jesus, our humanity has been crucified. And we now live a new life. Come on, so this is the most beautiful imagery that you can see. This is the, this is the cleanliness of the gospel. I love it. Paul's gonna write this later on in the letter, Galatians chapter 5, 16 through to 25. He says this, I say then, let's, let's understand what our humanity really is. Can we get real about our humanity in church today? I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh or our humanity. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. Come on, how many of us have been there before? Right? But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, here's the works of our humanity, right? They're obvious, the Bible tells us. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things. How many of you would say that looks like the headlines of our news sources right now? Those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Watch this, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, oh, come on, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see the two places to live. And how many of you would agree with me? It would be a wonderful day to wake up and we turn on our news source and all of a sudden, breaking news, self-control everywhere. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You hop on Twitter, 140 characters of the news source. Oh my goodness, can't believe it. The world is changing rapidly. Joy in the streets. You guys see what, see what I'm talking about? There's these two opposing realities that are happening. Outbursts of anger versus gentleness. <laughs> 
Patience, kindness, goodness, faithless. Could you imagine if that was the headline? All across the world. It's spreading rapidly. The infection rate is crazy. Peace, joy, gentleness. It's airborne. I'm going to get in so much trouble. Stop it. (laughs) Paul is saying to us, listen, those things in Christ have been buried. The problem that many of us are facing is that we keep on resurrecting them. Bitterness gets buried, but something along the journey causes us to go back and dig it up. Is it possible that we believe that the things that have been buried in the old life somehow provide for us greater than the new life we have in Jesus? So I'm trying to walk forward, and the temptation is to run back and dig up what's been buried. And, I, and, I, and, I, and unforgiveness, well, man, that made me feel better. It fueled me more versus freedom. So I'm going to go dig up unforgiveness again and carry that around a little bit more rather than living in the new life that I have in Jesus. Writer and author J.F. Walvoord put it like this. Paul described the transformation in a person who has come to God by faith in Christ in terms of death and resurrection. In understanding the death and resurrection of Jesus, one sees why we are changed in Christ. And when changed, it produces in us a new way of thinking, feeling, and acting. Not in perfection, but rather in an awareness of who I am in Christ rather than who I am in my flesh. We actually have on the daily the opportunity to live by the Spirit. Maybe better put like this, we have a new way to be human. Michael Jackson sang it like this. He said, tell them that it's human nature. That's actually not what the Bible's saying. I don't want you to tell them that it's human nature. I want you to live out of a new nature, a nature that has been created in Christ Jesus. So we gotta stop singing that it's human nature and start saying that it's God's nature in us. I have been buried with Christ and I have been resurrected in him. And because of that, I live a new life. Tell them it was human nature, why, why? Do you do me this way? My wife is so attracted to me right now. (laughs) Second Corinthians 5.17, Paul loves this topic because he writes it again. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Anybody thankful for Jesus this morning? Number three, here's the last decision we have to make today. I mean, many more throughout this series, but today. Stop setting aside what has already been settled. I've got to decide today to stop setting aside what has already been settled. Galatians 2.21, I do not set aside the grace of God. 
Watch what happens when we set aside the grace of God. I want you to see it. There's never a clearer picture. Here it is right here. When you and I set aside the grace of God and try to work for all these things, watch what happens. Christ died for nothing. When we set aside the grace of God, it undermines the miracle of Christ. When I set aside the grace of God, I'm actually set aside, setting aside the cross of Christ. Brilliantly articulated by writer and author John Stott, he would say that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, without any admixture of human works or merits. It is due solely to God's gracious call and not to any good works of our own. Charles Spurgeon would highlight this truth as he would write this in a very echoing fashion. He would say, if any of you desire to know how you are to be saved, I tell you again that there is nothing for you to do in order to merit salvation. For some of us right now, this is tripping our minds out because we're struggling. I know where the dissonance in the room is right now and we're trying to hold it in tension because we're gonna talk about this in, in this series because you're like, well, what about, like, what about bad behaviors? What about doing this? What do you mean I can't, I can't marry? There's gotta be a reality to doing good things. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna destroy the concept of what good is in this series. There's nothing, continuing on with Charles Spurgeon, there's nothing for you to do in order to merit salvation. You have rather to leave off your own doing and to rest in what Christ has done. Notice he says rest in it. Have I put the matter plainly enough? You'd go on to say, no, I have not. For who can make it so plain that a blind man can see it? God must open the blind man's eyes and then he will see it. Yet there it stands, clear and plain. Salvation is the free gift of God. It is all of grace from first to last. Yesterday, my kids were doing an art project. They were building these houses out of cardboard. They went out to the garage, the disaster zone in our home, cardboard boxes, and they pulled them inside and just all these cardboard. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we're doing an art project, okay? So they cut up all these boxes and they started making houses out of all these boxes and they were using yarn and popsicle sticks and paint and my three-year-old's got scissors and a permanent pin, which is a recipe for awesome. And so, <laughs> and they spent the day, and I kid you not, literally, the entire day building these boxes, building these houses. And they got elaborate with the detail and everything like that. So last night we're settling in, getting ready to kind of chill out in the house. We're sitting on the couch, reading, doing, doing work. And they come running over to us with these completed houses that they'd built. And when they came running over to us, my son specifically had a very interesting thing going on. Because in one moment, as he came running over, he's like, Dad, Mom, look, look, isn't this awesome? Like, what do you think about it? And like, look at, and he's throwing us all these things, and, he's, and what is he doing? He's desiring our affirmation. He's, he's asking for us to, to tell him that we think that it's amazing. And then in the same second, a split second later, he was like, isn't this awesome? Look what I built. 
And he was vacillating back and forth between these two realities. One was, tell me that this is great. And then at the same time, believing that what he had built was great and wasn't in need of my affirmation. And the reality is this, is that many of us vacillate between these two spots. We're believing that either what we are doing is making everything good, or we're in a place where we're begging for God's love and affirmation, when at the end of the day, neither is the truth, because the truth was before my son built that house yesterday, I was already in love with him. I was already blessed by him. I was already wowed by him. Why? Because he's my son. He could not do anything to make me more proud. He could not add another piece of yarn. He could not add another popsicle stick. He could not add another piece of the roof. I was already pleased in my son. I was already pleased in who he was. And I want to tell you today that God is already pleased with you. God already loves you that he died for you. Here's the problem with zombies. They're not fully dead. They're not fully alive. And I wonder how many of us today are in that place. That I'm just living in existence. Rather than being in the new life, by way of the perfect love, that I have in Jesus. So today, as we begin this journey in this new series, Keep It Dead, I pray that we would learn to do just that. Keep it dead. That we could learn to stop resurrecting what Jesus has already put to death. Stop trying to build that which you think will bring affirmation. And understand that he showed you he loved you before you even existed. And his name is Jesus. It's the cross of Christ. It is his death. It is his burial. It is his resurrection. And it is his ascension tells you, it tells me, keep it dead. So that's my problem with zombies. In Jesus' name, I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes today.